Welcome to Headed Someplace, a show where strong, inspiring, enduring women share their stories with us. I'm Kara, and today I talk with my good friend, Jessica Mayfield. This show was so, so much fun to record. Jess and I have been friends since college. We live in the same town, same phase of life, and so she's one of my real, everyday life friends. I will let her introduce herself here in a minute, but it should be noted that we laugh a lot on this episode. We also went on approximately one million rabbit trails, and so it was really hard to decide what all to leave in the show, what to take out. So at the end of the episode, I leave you with some of our outtakes. If you follow me on Instagram, you already saw me post about our inappropriateness, so you'll get to hear a little bit of that at the end. But first, I will let Jessica tell how we met. Okay, so will you tell how we met? Because I like when you tell it better. Oh, you do? I always like when you tell it. Oh, man. Okay, no, but I'm excited. Um, so I think I met you my first or second day at college. Wasn't it during like orientation? It wasn't yeah, it was even during, school hadn't even started yet. Yeah. School hadn't even started. It was just like my first day on campus in yes. Abilene. Which this is uh, 2006, which yep. is like 12 years ago, Jessica. Dang. We are going strong. Oh man. We've got the battle scars to prove That's it. Right. <laughs> That's right. But yeah. So, so we're sitting in Bible majors orientation and there's this girl that's sitting behind me that like has the most intense, infectious, but also like overly intense <laughs> laugh. Who might that be? (laughs) (laughs) But it was also like just so cool too because I was like, man, this girl, she just doesn't care what we think about her. It's just so refreshing. (laughs) Because her laugh is not cute. Her laugh is intense. Did I mention? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, so there you have it. That's how we met. And also, in case any of you are wondering what it's like to be on a podcast, Jessica describes the feeling for us. You know, whenever everybody is looking at you on your birthday and they're singing you happy birthday and you just don't know how to hold uh-huh. your face. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about talking about myself. Like, I feel like everybody's looking at me and I've got to, I don't know how to hold my face. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty funny description. Okay, so Jessica, <laughs> tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in life. Okay. Um, I'm still trying to figure it out a little bit, but a couple of things I do know is I'm a mom to three. I've got a little boy. Um, No, I've got two little boys. I've got one little boy on the way, and then I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old girl. Yes. Yes. And then I'm kind of a little bit of an entrepreneur, but also a little bit of a I don't know. I just, I don't know. I'm a, I like. You've got your hand in many buckets. Yeah, I have my hand in many buckets. Is that um, a phrase? Or do I, I don't know. Okay, well, it sounds good. <laughs> we can make it a phrase. Yeah. Um, no, I, I do some marketing on the side for a few clients, like managing their brands and their communication, mostly through social media. And then I also just really love to have like several creative outlets. So I kind of like to do photos here. I'll do flowers if you ask me, if you're my friend, um, <laughs> that you're not going to pay me for it because I'm not good at it. I just like to do it. Yes, you are. You're like just, decorator queen. I mean, I just like to express myself creatively. Yes, so. you do. And you no. do such a good job. And you could professionally throw your kids' birthday parties. <laughs> it's too bad you don't get paid for that. <laughs> My five-year-old has already started planning our Halloween party, and he was devastated to learn that like everything we put on Pinterest cannot be something we execute <laughs> for this party. I love this so much because he's your child. <laughs> totally I love it. Child. 
When I threw it, when I helped throw your shower for Lottie, your little girl, which by the way, cutest. Wait, we haven't even gone through your kids' names. That's okay. We'll get there. But Lottie, I remember telling you, listen, I will put a lot of love into the atmosphere and the food, but decorations are not my thing. Yeah, but that's just like, that stuff doesn't even matter. It's what, it's the heart of it. That's like the stuff that makes it the good stuff. So it was perfect. We need it all. But okay. So yeah, tell us your kids' names. I've got Hollander, who's five. I've got Charlotte, who we call Lottie, but if you meet her, she will introduce herself as Lottie Dot. Yeah. Um, very <laughs> particular about that dot. Yeah. And then the one that's coming, we just don't know. We're yeah. just tired of writing letters, though, so it's looking very short. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting shorter and shorter. It's getting shorter Hollander, and shorter. Charlotte, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Jessica, before the first question I ask every guest before we get into the meat of the combo is to tell us a random fact about you that not a lot of people know. Um, oh my goodness. We were joking about this earlier, but I think like I don't have a lot of secrets. Like <laughs> I just kind of air it. Like wear your heart on your sleeve. Yeah. Tell you where I'm at. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um oh goodness, let me think. I happen to know a couple of them. Oh gosh, what? Okay. <laughs> So I happen to know that you ran a marathon in between. Was it was it after after you had Lottie? Yeah. So oh my goodness, about, yes. When she was like six months old, we ran a half marathon. Me and my dad and my sister. We need a moment of si- We need a moment of silence <laughs> because okay. that's really impressive. Let's be honest. I was a little bamboozled into the half marathon. Okay. Um, this is like a serious note, but yes. it's it ends joyfully. But my dad, whenever he was diagnosed with cancer, the way he told us was, hey, I have prostate cancer. It's kind of aggressive, but I'm going to run a half marathon this year. Are you in? And like, what do you say to that? You yeah, can't right. say no. Yeah. <laughs> so then he was like, well, you want to run a full? And so we trained together and Which it was really so fun. sweet. And didn't um, you guys submit like, because I feel like you got, you got like a little article published about him or something after that half marathon. So we ran the Monterey Bay half marathon in Monterey Bay, California. And he was like one of their highlighted stories for just like people that have like overcome really great odds to get to the race. And so that was so fun to cross the finish line with him and my sister and just like celebrate all that God had done because it had been, he had surgery right before I had Lottie Mm -hmm. and was in the hospital for a while after. And so, I mean, he like wasn't very far removed from his, his surgery and removal of his cancer. So, I mean, like that was such an exciting big deal. And then impressive. Yes. He's a hoss. He is. Uh, we had to show up. There was no, there's no option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then the marathon was fun. I actually really did enjoy it and I would do it again once. Oh my gosh. There's like time and space to, to try something like that again. Ooh, I'm like, I kind of want to stick my foot in my mouth before I even say this, but I, I want to do it with you. <laughs> with me? Okay. Everybody, you heard it here. here. <laughs> but then I also don't. So it's like 50-50. <laughs> There's the caveat. Okay. Do you have any other ones that we don't want to miss? Random facts? Um, I mean, you and I went to Europe together. This is true. (laughs) This is a pretty good random fact because I was studying abroad in England and you came just to visit me, right? It was just for you. (laughs) It's not true. She came to see a boy, but I was like the cherry on top. Or was he the cherry on top? I don't know. Let's forgo the cherry metaphor. You were the only redeeming (laughs) 
Oh, and okay, so I did want to talk about this because, well, like one thing you said before we started this conversation that we would maybe talk about is like relationships and navigating relationships. And I just want to vouch for your ability to navigate relationships here because <laughs> because after coming to visit said boy and me that you are sort of dating, <laughs> then that same summer, I tell you that like I'm sort of dating said boy. And you're like, okay. You were like, so, hey, we're friends today. It worked out. Everything. But it I mean, work. like I started dating my husband right after that. True. It all worked out. So we all got clarity. Yeah. But for all you single ladies out there, that's not a great idea for friendship in the future. You know what? The Lord can redeem anything. It's so true. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of a good segue <laughs> into relationships and talking about, you said you moved around a lot as a kid. Is that was that for your dad's job or what was that? Yeah, so we he was in oil and gas and it just seemed like almost every two years, three years, we would just bounce around to a new place. And it, we didn't go anywhere cool. Like some of my friends in the oil and gas business went. Like we just went to like Louisiana, Texas, Louisiana, and then yeah. like did that triangle a couple of times. I don't know. Texas <laughs> is pretty cool. That's <laughs> what you ask. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. <laughs> um yeah, but you – how do you think moving that often affected your relationships? Um, I really do think that it just made me realize, like, in order to, like, make a friend quickly, you – I was just kind of good at being, like, a chameleon in situations. Like, I yeah. could just extrovert and, like, be – super on. Does that make sense? Yes, like, yes. I just remember observing in middle school, a girl that was like, Hey Chica, what's up? And I was like, Oh man, that went over really well for her. Like, <laughs> I'm going to adopt that. <laughs> and so I really did just remember like embracing just this outgoing, like super bubbly persona, which I, in a lot of ways is so true to me still, but I think I just felt like I had to be so on and positive and, and bubbly like and likable that I never really like expose much more of myself than that to people. Mm -hmm. And then we moved so fast. Like I never really got out of the honeymoon stage with a lot of my relationships. So, yeah. I mean, just I have very few people I've known like most of my life just because we moved so often. Right. So what have you learned in having to navigate friendships longer? Like what have you learned slash are you learning? Um, I just remember this is kind of embarrassing because I was 29 years old. I was on a run with my dad. Here's shout out to Steve again. Um, <laughs> and we always would have these really sweet runs together where we would just like talk. And I think one of us, if not both of us, always ended up in tears at one point just because like it. we, anyway, that's probably not important. But anyway, <laughs> on this particular day, I was like, dad, I have this group of girls that I love and I feel like we're starting to build something solid, but I just don't know how to take it to the next level. <laughs> and I'm like 29 <laughs> years old asking my dad, like, how do you make friends? <laughs> because truly, like, I really don't feel like I've ever just been very good at hanging in there because mm -hmm. I'd have a friendship for two years and when things would get uncomfortable or, you know, complicated as relationships always will and always do get, I either could count on moving to a different state. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Bye. Or I could just like stop answering my phone and, you know, be a really lousy friend to somebody. And I just, after that conversation with my dad, the advice he gave me was like, you just need to keep showing up. Like when mm. it gets real hard, like that's when you have to show up. 
And it was just interesting to think back on like some of the people I had in my mind or some of the people that came into my life quickly after that, that I needed them as much as they maybe needed me at that time. And, and like things would get really tough and really difficult. And I just learned like, okay, you just have to lean in. Mm, <laughs> that's right. I, I love that your dad said just keep showing up because I feel like that's something even in this phase of life with young kids and even with going to a small group at church, that's like hard for us for whatever reason right now. Because it feels like we're constantly like watching our kids. So like, what's the benefit of being there? Because I'm like trying to keep this one from crying and this one, you know, make sure that one has food and whatever. And so it feels like really chaotic. But I one day I remember sitting in church and just thinking like, I think that maybe we're just supposed to show up. Like, that's the only expectation is like, just be there because hard things are going to come. And then when you've shown up and you're saying like, hey, I'm, I'm in this phase with you. I'm with you. I'm maybe kind of like half my mind's over here, but I promise I'm trying to be here. Yeah. I think that then in those hard times, you still have those people yeah. that have shown up that you can actually rely on. Yeah. I mean, because if you're going through your life not knowing people, you're also going unknown. Right. And that's just not a safe place to be. I mean, I think darkness really loves anonymity and isolation. Mm. And I kind of think that some of my darker seasons have been whenever I've not allowed myself to be known by somebody else, Mm -hmm. like outside of just my immediate family. Yeah. I mean, so I think it's super important. I mean, for others, of course, but also just for like our emotional health and for our spiritual relationships, because iron sharpens iron. Like I need friendships like you and so many of my other friends that can just like tell me how it is and be really honest with me whenever I'm acting a crazy fool, because (laughs) I do that from time to time. Yes, (laughs) man, I know. And I'm going to affirm you on that. Because you've done such a great job in this last, like, I, I'm the one that's like, I'll be there at girls' night. And then I'm like, well, I'm not coming. I'm staying home. But, like, you you really have. Like, I've watched you walk with your friends through some really hard stuff. And, like, showing up is what you have done. Like, you, that's why, you know, when you mention, like, being bad at relationships, I'm like, what? Because to me you know, I'm seeing you now walking people through the hardest things and and having such a caring heart that's like thinking of things that I don't think through for people on how you can like support them and bless them and show them they're not alone. So you're doing a good job. Thanks. I mean, I just think especially in this season, like I know whenever I first became a mom and our time just seems so precious because every single second of your day, you have somebody like demanding something of you or like wanting your body or your energy or (laughs) something for something. And it's so exhausting. And I realized though, like in giving away my time to people and like giving some of myself to people, I'm gaining so much more back. Like you come back with your cup more full after spending Mm -hmm. time and investing in them. And I think I've just learned that like we're called into gospel community with people and Mm. we're called into that with people that are like us and aren't like us. Mm -hmm. And I never realized like what I was missing out on because I hadn't experienced it until, until now. Yeah. And what do you mean when you say gospel community? I just think fellowship with other people and just loving on people and being present for them and receiving like what they have for you too. Mm -hmm. I just think that whenever you're not in community with people and they, you're keeping things from people or you're not exposing all of yourself, like there's just so much room for untruths to 
grow there. Yeah, yeah. And so I think like being around people, even whenever it's not like super intentional time, but just like getting together with people that are lifting you up and encouraging you and affirming you and what you're doing, like you just need that. Yeah. We just serve a relational God and we follow a relational God and we're created in the image of a relational God. I mean, mm-hmm. he is in communion with the spirit and with Christ Jesus and like our father God all at the same time, all is like one person interceding on our behalf, meeting us where we're at. I mean, it just, I think just gospel community is a reflection of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mirroring, mirroring that relationship. Okay. So when we come back, we're going to talk about Jessica and her husband, Garrett, running a business together, some rocky points along the way, and then kind of a turning point for their marriage. But first, I want to ask you to do me a quick favor. Will you rate and review this show on iTunes if you haven't already? It works a lot like social media algorithms in that the more ratings and reviews we have, the more Headed Someplace will pop up as a recommended show for other listeners. So that means more people get to hear these incredible women's stories and hopefully feel less alone and more encouraged as they live life. And come find me on Instagram and let me know you're listening to the show. I'm at Kara Dawn Z. That's K-A-R-A-D-A-W-N-Z at Kara Dawn Z. Come and find me. So talking about like your longest relationship being with Garrett, your husband. I know that y'all had a time that was like harder in marriage, almost kind of like a turning point maybe for you guys. I don't know. It looks like that from the outside in. Back whenever you guys were running Wednesday, your business. Can you tell us about that business first of all? Because it's really, really cool. And then kind of from there, what direction your marriage went? Yeah. So kind of quickly after Garrett and I got married, um, we moved to Tampa, Florida And while we were there, we just kind of both started exploring like how our gifts and our talents like complemented each other. Garrett's a graphic designer. And then as mentioned, like I'm kind of into the marketing and like brand creation. And so we had just like gone through with creating our own wedding stationery together and just enjoyed like the process of working together a lot. And so we just started to explore like what could we build together that would be something that we could use both of our gifts And we came up with Wednesday, which was a uh, letterpress and design studio. And man, we made some, like, there's a whole other podcast there of things not to do in business and marriage. (laughs) Uh, One of them is do not sign up for the world, like the United States biggest trade show of stationery that's in New York when you've never made stationery before. Just don't do it. (laughs) Because that's what we did. And we went to New York like probably six months after like this idea first came to our heads to start a business and literally launched our business at the national trade show or national stationery show in New York in 2000 and 2012 summer 2012 um that's a really big show it is like we were like getting to keep company with like rifle paper company and all of these people who stationary like we just coveted anyway so we had just put like everything we owned every resource we had into launching our business um without any experience And we were expecting our first child. I was, I think, eight weeks pregnant at the show. And it was just like a pressure cooker situation. It was pretty intense. But like by God's grace, we had an amazing show. It was just more than we could have asked for. We ended up creating a lot of great relationships with retailers and growing our business pretty well from that first show. But we 
I think because we didn't have like the experience and really like a lot of wisdom in how we launched that we were just always playing catch up. Mm, And yeah. And so a lot of things like had to take the back burner about two weeks after um, launching our business and like starting our retail side of our business. um, We lost our first child to a miscarriage and um, that just took a huge emotional toll on Garrett and I, and it was really isolating in our relationship with each other, but then also in our relationships with others because we really walked it by ourselves in a lot of ways. And mostly that was a decision we made. We just weren't very comfortable um, walking in that grief and we weren't very experienced in communicating with each other. And we had so many other things on our plates that while I was kind of grieving, Garrett just took on the brunt of our business and really carried us. But we just weren't able to really spend as much time together to heal and mm. to just walk through that. So I think that was a big part of um, like kind of what set us off in an unhealthy space. But we really, for the next year um, or two, we worked on Wednesday and Garrett was working a full-time job plus was staying up to like five o'clock in the morning, letter pressing on our letterpress printer from the 1800s, which by the way, is just <laughs> basically like a death trap that nobody <laughs> should be operating on like in the middle of the night on no sleep. Yeah. Uh, like we're lucky that Garrett has all of his limbs and body parts still. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and so we were just both burning the candle at both ends of the stick and not prioritizing our spiritual lives, not prioritizing our time with each other. And also in this time, um, we get pregnant again and we have, which sounds like we're prioritizing our time. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you had time for something. Sounds like we had time for something. <laughs> Okay. In this time we get pregnant again and we have our son Hollander and um, his whole first year of life we feel like is just Garrett handing off Hollander to me so he can go work, me handing off Hollander to him so I can go work. And I mean, we just really start to like suffer from just not not being in relationship with each other. I mean, we just, every conversation is about the business. Every concern and weight that we have is about the business. We don't really have time outside relationships. So we're super isolated in this also. And we, we just weren't at a good place in our relationship and we knew that, but I think in our hearts, like we always felt like, man, we've put everything we have into this. Like, And our intentions are not bad. Like we're we're doing this to try to support our family. But gosh, do you know how much paper you have to sell to support a family? Oh, <laughs> a lot. Because <laughs> y'all had like, yeah, you guys had lots of gigs. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it was it was good, but still, like we also just didn't have really the confidence to price ourselves. Yeah, how you should. Yeah, so we just didn't have the experience to make really good decisions that advocated well for us. Yeah. But we did have some awesome, like I'm making it sound like it was all really hard and really bad. It was really fun. And we did, like, it did give us a lot of cool opportunities, but the the cost of it was like at a lot greater risk. Yes. And that was like relational. And so right after Hollander had turned one, Garrett and I finally like started to talk about how we were feeling things Mm -hmm. were going. Mm -hmm. And how long, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you, but how long had you been running this business at this time? We had been running our business for three or four years, I guess. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so we've been running our business for four years and we were just running on fumes, like emotionally, yes. spiritually. Um, like we were, I think making it look good from the outside, like the inside, we just were feeling pretty, pretty rough, mm-hmm. but we just weren't communicating. So finally, like we just kind of hit the wall at the same time. And we're just like, if this is the rest of our life, like this is really sad and really is really going to suck. Yeah. And so we decided to seek some counseling and we went into our counseling, like kind of optimistic that he was going to like tell us like all the ways we could do Wednesday, all the ways we could continue to like juggle all of these balls and still be, you know, obedient followers of Christ and be like great submissive partners to one another that are just like laying their lives down for each other. Like we just thought like he was going to have all of the answers to us. And I remember after we talked for a while, he was like, well, I know if it was in the best interest of your spiritual lives, for your family, for you guys, that y'all would close Wednesday. And Garrett and I like looked at each other and we we're like, I can't. Like that kind of like, yeah, like weird laugh, like uncomfortable yeah. laugh. And yeah. we got in the corner and I was like, I kind of want a second opinion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of rude. Yeah, like I don't think he knows us very well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was offensive to me because I mean, he was asking us to hand over control of something that we had like poured our whole heart and soul and all of our resources into for the majority of our marriage. Like right. it's like almost a pillar of who Garrett and I were. Yeah. And so you're thinking, I don't know if I like that he's telling us that we yeah. should con- even consider like laying that down. Yes. We were not ready to consider that. And so we met with him on a Tuesday, I remember. And we had plans to leave town on Friday to get away for the first time since we'd had Hollander, just the two of us. And I remember like when we were planning this trip, I knew we needed it. But the thought of like leaving town with Garrett at the time just sounded hard, like just sounded like something I did not want to do. It sounded like I wanted to go by myself. I wanted to go with a girlfriend, like, Mm -hmm. but I just did not want to like have to spend time with Garrett. Like that sounds terrible, but that's just where we were at in our relationship. Yeah. And so we like pack up that day and we actually spend like a really nice day together. And we'd made a a very intentional effort to like not talk about business. And we had homework from our counselor to work on that we were going to do in the car that day. But like generally, like we just kind of this, the cloud that had been over us for like, that had been like heavy on us for the last couple of weeks kind of seemed to like lift a little bit. And so we just were having a great day. And we're driving out to the lake and we start going through our homework. And I felt suddenly like very convicted that like, okay, we have not had our priorities straight. And we have not, like, I think that we just need to really pray. Like if it is God's will for us to close our business and to walk away from it, that he would be super clear with us because we're obviously idiots. Like We're obviously <laughs> like not managing this well on our own accord. And we have not truly invited him in as like our first counsel we're seeking in this. So like, let's, let's try to make that right right now. And so Garrett and I at that very moment, just prayed like, God, if it is your will for us to close Wednesday, please be clear with us. And if you think that we can do it, like, and you want us <laughs> to continue to do it, we like left the door. Yeah. Right. Open. Please <laughs> affirm that. <laughs> please be clear, but then also please show us how to do it. Yeah. And 
We just kind of continued down the road, and an hour later, Garrett gets a phone call from one of his closest friends from college who did not know what we were struggling with or what any of our thoughts were about our business. And he was just like, hey man, I just wanted to reach out because my company's hiring and I've wanted to talk to you about this before, but I know you have your own thing going on, uh, but just I, I just felt like I should bring it up and tell you about this job that I think you're good for. And I like have chills and I know the story. <laughs> <laughs> I know that that is not always how God works. Like I know he doesn't always operate in the explicit and in like the right. divine intervention. But in this sense, like it felt like divine intervention. And we were like, you know what, whatever that just was, like we're going to follow that. Yeah. And so the weirdest, craziest thing happened that weekend where it was like, like a lot of the things that were holding us down and burdening us in our relationship, we physically felt those things fall off and had like the best weekend, like some of my favorite memories I've ever made with Garrett we made on this trip. And again, like I cannot reiterate enough, like just because God does, if you're in a similar situation and he's not operating in the explicit like yeah. it doesn't mean that he's not working behind the scenes that's right that's i just right. want to emphasize that because we were we asked for a clear answer and we were given a clear answer and we felt very clearly a shift when we stepped into his will yeah. and and just submitted our lives to him again like it felt very clear but i know that that's that's not, not always the case yeah yeah but what a gift man yeah what a, what a gift yeah. And so we got home and Garrett is interviewing like that week in Dallas for a job and loves the company, loves that he'll get to work with his closest friends, loves everything about it. And so we decide like in two weeks, we're moving to Dallas. And this is like all like two and a half weeks from the time that we were like, dear God, please open a door. Yes. <laughs> and, and so even just like down to, like we had a press from the 1800s, a giant letter press printer from the 1800s. Yeah. I mean, there's not like a, a big market, market. <laughs> in Oklahoma City or anywhere. Yeah. But the very first day we had it on the market, like we sold it for asking price. Mm. And we had so many great retailers that we worked with that were so understanding when we explained like that we would be closing our business that they were like, send us the product that you have. And so, I mean, we had all of our inventory that was pretty much taken off our hands. Mm. It was just amazing how like beautifully it wrapped up and yeah. just seamlessly it wrapped up. Again, I just feel like indications of like who God was in that time for us. I mean, he was just very loving when we actually just probably deserved a kick in the rear. <laughs> so good and gracious to us. Yeah. But yeah. So two weeks later, we're living in Dallas and it's our first night by ourselves in our new apartment. And we're sitting there. Garrett is on one side of Hollander and I'm on the other side and he's like one and a half. And we just both like, this is a, such a sweet, but also kind of like bittersweet memory a little bit because we just remember him looking at both of us like wait you guys know each other <laughs> like oh i love that cool this is awesome. <laughs> we can all play together at the same time uh, yeah and like the rest is history we were in dallas for a short time but it was the sweetest probably one of my favorite seasons of our marriage mm -hmm. we just like clung to one another and like rebuilt a really solid foundation and thinking about like Hollander and Garrett and I like all sitting on that piece of furniture for the first time. Like now we joke on a regular, we're like, why are all five members of our family sitting on this one chair? Like <laughs> we've got 
<laughs> We've got all the space wires. There's plenty balls. of house around. Yeah. <laughs> so I do have a, I do have a business question for you. Question. Question. So uh, <laughs> excuse me. I'm running this interview. You're not allowed to make fun of me. Um, <laughs> So I'm always curious because my husband and I have thought several times about we would like to, you know, start our own business or things like that. We always are floating around ideas. What wisdom do you have for spouses working together? If you're anything like me or if you're married to somebody like me, just run in the opposite direction. <laughs> like with business, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like don't do business together. Stay yeah. married. If you want to stay married, run in the opposite business direction. Yeah. But, like, if you are like Garrett, then I mean, because truly, like, Garrett is the most patient. Okay, wait, I'm like off on a, a tangent, but I do want to okay. say something really kind yeah. about Garrett. Yeah, I want to hear it. So, we had our business for about four years, and I think the only reason why it lasted so long is because Garrett is just such a patient and like kind foundation. Yeah. So steadfast and so steady. And yeah, because if it was me and someone just like me, it would have like gone up in flames way <laughs> fireworks way, yeah, <laughs> way sooner. But yeah. Okay. So business advice, truly just testing everything. Like, I mean, every idea, every inspiration, like before you jump into anything, because I am the queen of just diving headfirst as soon as an idea is upon me. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't look back. I don't ask questions. I just like want to be all in on that. And I would say just like pause and test that and test it with prayer and um, test it with your community and with each other. I mean, just take your time before you jump into something because Mm -hmm. it is like a, such a great reward when it works out well and things are, are going okay. But the risk is really high whenever you're in business with your with your spouse or somebody that you love, even a best friend, like you just want to make sure that before you enter into that, that you guys have really, um, a really strong, solid foundation and that you, it's clearly just been shown and revealed to you that like that is the right place for you to go next. Yeah, I think that's good. And I think I'm like hearing to just other business kind of advice in general, or I mean, I don't know, life advice, life decisions, like just not being hasty. There's like no reason to rush. No, there's not. Yeah. Okay. So kind of along those lines, I remember whenever I was pregnant with Rye um, and I was working, I remember calling you and being like, I'm so nervous to talk to my boss because I don't know what I'm going to do afterwards. And it was just like, I know that for everybody that's in that situation, it's such a hard and scary thing trying to decide, Mm -hmm. am I going to be at home or I'm going to be working full time or I'm going to go part time or whatever. And I remember you saying something so liberating to me, which was, hey, whatever you decide, it's not permanent. Yeah. And what's funny is that like it felt like I had to decide the thing that our family was going to do and the model we were Mm -hmm. going to follow. And we've had literally like, you know, 20 million different scenarios since we first had right. Like we've had so many different working scenarios, both of us, that we just have had to feel out how it works. But I remember you saying like, if you decide to work and then you're like missing your baby, then you can adjust. Or if you decide to stay home and you really want to go back to work, you can adjust, you know? And so what encouragement do you have for moms trying to figure out what does work look like? What does kids look like? And how do I do it all and do it well? Yeah, man, I'm still trying to figure that out. Like, because I will be honest, most of the time, I feel like I'm doing the things that I'm working on, like halfway. Um, Like I'm halfway there with kids, halfway there with work. I feel that a lot too. 
yeah, it's so hard to like strike that balance and you want, you want to be like a hundred percent in, in everything, which again, I think goes back to like being discerning about your time and like what your limits are. I just learned that it's a little fluid and that Mm. whenever I went back to work after Lottie, I was taking on more hours and I just realized like I had a three day threshold. Like I could not be in the office more than three days a week and, uh, just feel feel good about what I was doing. And that's different for everybody. And so you don't really know what your thresholds are until you're in the middle of it. And so I think just like be willing to like navigate it a little bit, take a risk and then be okay with it if it's not working out and like give yourself some grace. Um, Because this is like such a new thing in every child, every relationship and whatever it is that you're entering into like it all is so uncharted for you mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be uncharted for somebody else like it's just your experience that matters and it's your family that matters and so for me like I know that I function best like as a mom and a wife and a friend whenever I have a creative outlet mm-hmm. and so that's why I kind of have like several that's how I don't know how to identify myself when people <laughs> ask me what I do because I'm like well, I do a couple of things <laughs> And I'm thinking about a couple more things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the season of expecting, like expecting our third, I just have said this summer, like this is the summer of no. Like I'm going to be yeah. okay with saying no to stuff. Yes. And I haven't been great about it. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still like proclaiming the mantra. Like it's kind of empowering just to know that like, okay, I don't have to do it all. It's not the end of the world. If I miss out on something, um, there so will be true. other things. But like for me in this season, like things that there aren't more of, there aren't any more summers like before my little guy starts pre-K full day mm-hmm. for five days a week. So like it was important yeah. to me in this season to be present and present looks different to different people. And there's just no judgment for those decisions, but you yeah. have to do what feels right for you and nothing's permanent. Yeah. Next season, I might be ready to pick up three more gigs. And that's right. <laughs> um, okay. So I do want to go back to talking about um, your season after your miscarriage and how I know it was a lonely season for you. And we've had conversations before where I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I wasn't present. I didn't know what to do. And you're like, well, I didn't either. And so going through your time of miscarriage, is there something that you would want to say to someone who's walking through that right now? And then also to those who are walking with a friend through that, that may not know how to come alongside them. Man, I'm going to be honest. That It's still so hard for me to know because grief like takes on so many different shapes minute by minute it does. And so even having gone through it, I still like feel myself at a loss um, for like how to love on people well whenever they have lost a child. I mean, for me, like some of the most painful things I ever heard when we were in our grief was that like, well, it's, it's okay. This was a part of God's plan or, you know, he might've been saving you from something more heartbreaking later on. And the things that people would say, like, while they are so well-meaning, they were painful to hear. Mm. And I think a lot of why I withdrew was just because I couldn't hear that. Like, I, I knew he was good. I like believed in his goodness, but man, like just some of the stuff people would say was just painful. And so I think I've always really carried that around and just realized that words are super inefficient in grief and that like our words don't offer healing, like only his presence can offer healing. Mm. 
And I just feel like one of the best ways to be an extension of his presence is like physically just like meet somebody in their grief and like be present and like walk through the hard stuff and ask questions. Like I think questions are really good because then they give people a chance to tell their story and tell how they're feeling, but just like meeting physical needs, like showing up and cleaning somebody's house and Mm -hmm. dropping a meal off or taking their kids out for a little while, like just showing up and meeting physical needs and like physically being present, I think are some of the most powerful ways. And then just remembering, man, I'm, I hate that I'm in a club with so many women who have lost children or lost mothers and lost fathers. But man, am I thankful that I know that every single one of those women, when one of us has an important date show up, Mm -hmm. those are the first text messages I'm getting that day that are just saying like, I see you, I'm thinking of you. I know you're hurting today. Um, that there's so much power in just like being seen in your Mm -hmm. grief. You don't have to speak anything over it. Like, unless you just feel called to, but just to say like, I see you and I, I understand what you're going through. I mean, it just goes, back to like that leaning in, wading through the really difficult, ugly cries and like mm-hmm. mood swings and just like <laughs> complicated emotions that like come with any relationship, but especially when you're experiencing grief and loss, that's when you get to the other side with a friendship and you're like in the good stuff. Yeah. That's when you reach family status. That's right. And really, this is not just talk from Jessica. I've watched her and experienced, got to be on the receiving end of her texting a bunch of girls and saying, hey, so-and-so's out of town. Let's go clean her house. Hey, so-and-so needs food. Let's, you know, can we sign up and give meals? Or I'm going to go take some cheese and wine over to so-and-so's house. You want to come? <laughs> the cheese is self-medicating. Yeah, that's right. Well, I was going to say the wine, but yeah. <laughs> but you'll have seen me throw down a, a bowl of pimento. <laughs> true uh okay so the last question i ask every guest is if you could go back in time five years or five or ten years and tell yourself one thing what would it be Mm, um i would just tell myself that you're not in control and that's okay yeah because five years ago i had a newborn baby and one thing that like you learn is painfully true when raising kids is that you just are not in control over mm. anything. You're not in control over like their sleep schedule or their emotions or how they perceive the world, like yeah, that control, but you're not in control over your spouse. You're not in control yeah. over. It's hard. Uh, it's a hard, it's a rude awakening. <laughs> it is. That one is brutal. But it's just like this fear of relinquishing control that nobody could do it better. Mm. And I even just in the last couple of weeks have like just really been shown like the Lord's control is like so much superior than me. Like he works in the macro details and the micro details and manages and holds everything together Mm. so beautifully. And I'm struggling to like hold my household together. Right. <laughs> so true. Like I like I can't think of the last time I showered. Yeah. And yeah. So like why do I why do I think that my authority or my wisdom is better? Mm-hmm. And I wish I could just tell myself to not indulge like every feeling, every worry, every emotion, every anxiety. So like a perception that I have about how somebody received me or worrying about how something I said might have come off or taking something really personally that just shouldn't be taken personally. Like it's, that's not my identity. Mm-hmm. And when you say indulge, do you mean like just go too far deep into it? 
Yeah, because I think in a way, for me at least, going too far deep into a feeling is actually a way of just trying to control the narrative a little bit. Like, okay. if I feel this way, then it must be true. And if this is true, like, you know, it just kind of spirals out a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I really do think, like, control kind of becomes such an idol mm-hmm. um, in my life. And so I think just finding peace and, like, relinquishing that control because it's all false anyway. I don't have any control over any of the little kingdoms I think I'm building. Okay, guys, so as promised, here are a few outtakes from our conversation. The first one is from the very beginning of the show where I asked Jessica to tell us a little bit about who she is and what she does in life. And this is her, like, third attempt at answering that question. I, um, I have, I do. (laughs) (laughs) You're really fine, I promise you. And you're like, on second thought, let's just call this whole thing off. Okay, so I. I have, um, I do, I do some marketing on this. Hey, hold on really quick. I think you're like wiping your hand on something or doing something. Oh, I'm doing something weird. I'm actually going to tell you what I'm doing. I'm wrapping my cord around my toe and then (laughs) unwrapping it. You want to know something funny? As you're talking to me, my uh, hands are around my toes. (laughs) (laughs) So just keep your hands in the air. Oh, I love this so much. Yeah, right. Hold on. Let me let me pee really quick though. Hold on, I'll be right back. Me too. I'll race you. Okay. Man, I took my sweater off because I'm sweating. I know, girl. (laughs) Are you gonna have weird outtakes? (laughs) This might be the most outtakes I will ever get. No kidding. Sorry about that. I'm giving you a lot of editing. I'm just glad it's like not me this time. Usually it's me. It's all me. (laughs) Everything we talked about today is up on headedsomeplace.com. And you'll get to see some extra Q&A with Jessica, as well as photos from her family, how to connect with her on social media, etc. So be sure to check out headedsomeplace.com. You can also now support this podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash headedsomeplace. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, patreon.com slash headedsomeplace. Special thanks today for music from the Light Parade music.com and Frontline Music produced by Dustin Ragland. Thank you for listening, and I hope today you feel a little less alone and a little more encouraged.